in the beautiful West 7th neighborhood of St. Paul, Minnesota, you're listening to the Capital City Podcast. I'm just so blessed by, we're also blessed by the way, by your worship, and by your uh by your service in this city and in this neighborhood. Over and over when I think about the kingdom of God brought to earth, I think about the kind of ministry that The Way is doing in West 7th, in downtown, and in St. Paul. Just so encouraging. So thank you for taking the time and coming out and and worshiping together and blessing us. And then we'll have Joseph come preach afterward. I wouldn't be myself if I didn't tell one joke. I tried it out today and they laughed at it. So I'm going to give it to you guys and then we'll get right into the sermon. And so there was a guy that had a church and he had to have a fundraiser. The fundraiser, uh, he didn't know what, so he had a trunk full of Bibles. He said, we're going to sell these Bibles. We're going to sell these Bibles to the whole community. And he says, I need some salesmen. So a car salesman come out. He says, I sell used cars. He says, you must have experience selling used cars. The other guy raised his hand said he sells jewelry. The guy says, I sell jewelry. He said, you got to have skills in sales to sell jewelry because that's hard to sell. Jewelry is expensive. I said, we need a woman there. We need a woman. Woman says, I sell women's clothes, and that's really hard because women like things to fit, and you got all these narratives that women like when you're shopping. After that happened, they said, Well, this is a good team. A guy came from the back and was just like, I, 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 I want to sell too. I want to sell some Bibles too. And they didn't want to tell him no in front of the church. And they said, Come on down. We can, you, sure, you can sell some Bibles. The next week, the guy sold. 100 Bibles or somewhere in the 50 reigns, and it's like they were very impressed. The jury salesman sold some Bibles, you know, probably trumped his number. And then the lady comes and says, you know, I, I sold 100 too. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. We're getting the fundraiser done. The guy comes from the back late, of course, and says, you know, uh, I, I, I sold some Bibles too. And, and they, they said, come on down. How many did you sell? He said, I, I, I sold over... Oh, over, over, over a thousand, over a thousand b- 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 Bibles. And they're like, wow, how did he sell over a thousand Bibles? And he said, uh, I told him that I, 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 I'm going to sell it to him or, 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 or read it to him. <laughs> there you go. I was like, get your Bibles. The Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. I don't know what just happened, but my Bible just fell apart all of a sudden. I don't know. I don't think that's a sign or anything, but that's what just happened. If we could reference the Word of God by standing in our culture, we stand. I'm so glad to be here. I got my nephew. I got two of my nephews here in church with me. Raise your hand, Jalen and Chris. I'm so excited that I got five nephews. I'm just made. I got five nephews, and they're all growing uh, basketball players and just teaching me something every time we hang out. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. I'm going to read verse 1. I'm reading now the King James Version. And it reads, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, and he could not for the press. He was little in stature. That means this is a short man. And he ran before and climbed into a sycamore tree for he was to pass that way. He was waiting for Jesus, so he went and got in the tree and beat the crowd. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, 
Unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, that means hurry up, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. I'm asking that you crucify my flesh and forgive me of all the sins I've committed, only to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Be seated if you can. It's Black History Month, and um, we want to be relevant to what's going on with the country and our society and our community. And so years ago, I used to play basketball really well. And I traveled to Mississippi to go try for a team. Didn't make it, but I tried out for a team, a semi-pro team. I went there. I don't know what, what was going on. I didn't do well. Got on the plane, got there, and didn't do well. Got cut. And Got to the airport. My dad was like, hey, uh, you, you want some pancakes? <laughs> Absolutely. We never had a conversation again. It happened a lot of times. I go try out these camps, and I think I'm good, and then, and then you don't get the call. But I'm one for eight, so I, I made one <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> so, so after that happened, I, I realized that it was really good food in that place. And so when I went there, I made some friends. I made some friends there because I consider myself a friendly guy. I just love people. I like making new friends, especially when they're, they're, they got some socially awkwardness. I love that. I love make, being their friend. And so I ended up going back there and just visiting a friend. And he said, you know, um, I want to take you to this carnival. I said, I'm all down for the carnival. I'm all down for the carnival. We go to this carnival. It's a good time. The soul food is amazing. They got a band there playing blues. It's awesome. And I noticed there's an ice cream thing. And I see this black man with his family. Black man with his family. He has a, a daughter and a stroller and a son that's about maybe three years old. I'm not an expert on kids' age, but I think that's about right. This, this, this age, this, this, this old right here. <laughs> and so his wife is with him. And I'm like, oh, I like to see that. A white family comes behind him and push him out the way and say, you boy, you, what you, you better not say nothing. And knocks his ice cream out of his hand in front of his wife. And I'm looking at this. I'm from up north. This is my first time seeing something like this. And I told my guy, my guy that I was with was like 6'4", 220 maybe. And he's like, well, he just left it alone. I'm like, what's going on? So I went to go talk to the guy like, hey, man, it's three of us. Three black dudes want this little, this little white guy is going to do that to you in front of your wife. And he said, you don't know about the South, man. I said, no, I don't know about the South because if he, he would have did that in Silly Soda, that would have been a problem. And so I looked at this man's wife and she was very like, wow. That's just going to happen. My husband can't defend me. So I made friends with the guys. Like, I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. He took me to his grandparents' house and gave me some. It was like this crawfish that was disgusting. I'm not going to put my butt. I'm still friends with him, so I don't want to say his name. So, <laughs> and, and then there's like, no, we got shrimp and grits, too. So I, the shrimp and grits was amazing. So we eat the shrimp and grits. And I said, well, I, I still didn't understand what happened at the carnival. You let that man talk to you and your wife in front of your kids, knock your ice cream over, just, and tell, call you a boy. And he said, you, you don't know about the South, man. You, you don't know what it's like in the South. I said, well, you got to tell me what's about the South, because it was hard for me to even see that. And so he's like, well, I'm going to show you something. And I'm like, whatever you got to see ain't enough. True story. And I can, he takes me to, like, there's a fireplace, and he opens a booklet of 
ancestors, not only ancestors, people that were really close to him. He opened this book and he said, this is the fear that they have down here in the South. What he showed me was his grandfather hung, beaten, castrated and burned in a picture that they said, we're putting fear in you. And I was looking like, you let that go. He said, you don't understand what the South is like. And I saw this, I saw this, and I'm all, my funny bone ain't funny, but tears started to come down my eyes. Like, you've seen this, your ancestors hung, beaten, and they, and they slander you and give you this picture and say, this is what the South is like. This is what you have to accept. He said, you don't understand. You don't understand the Jones family in Mississippi are one of the strongest family because we went to that funeral and our whole family came together. We're the leading business. Every one of his sons are millionaires, but our family had to come together. It was a blessing. We just had to endure that. I said, I still don't get it. I still don't understand. He said, you, the message is coming together. So today I want to talk about coming together. We're going to talk about coming together as a unit. I have a strategic plan of giving us what Luke's gospel is about. In order to make the Bible make sense, you have to understand that it's placements. The placements of the Bible you have the law, then you have the history, then you have the poetry, then you have the major minor prophets. What that is, is there's prophecies of the main character of the Bible, Jesus Christ. Then you have something called the New Testament with this new covenant that Jesus Christ is now here and we accept him. Luke's theme is that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. He's the savior of the world. He's not just for Jews, but for Gentiles. Everybody can accept the ultimate sacrifice. And you hear the word savior being used in the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter one, Zacharias and Elizabeth are met and tell them that they're gonna have a son that's gonna pave the way for the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Chapter two, that same angel, Gabriel, visits Mary and says, you're going to be pregnant of something. She said, but I'm a virgin. She said, no, you're going to be pregnant with the Holy Ghost. They come together, and John the Baptist and Jesus as babies are rejoicing together. They came together. Chapter 3, John the Baptist is now preaching. He's preaching, uh, and he's baptizing Jesus. But then after that happens, we have the genealogy of Jesus Christ all the way from Adam as in Adam and Eve. And what, what that is credible for is like the Gospel of Matthew gives us the genealogy from Abraham. And that's like a legal document saying that Jesus Christ qualifies to be the Messiah. It would be like saying, hey, the best pastor in St. Paul is gonna be the line of Jordan Munson and then he has sons and then we know that this is the descendant of him. And this is how we know the Messiah all the way back from Abraham. But what Luke does, he gives us Jesus Christ all the way back from Adam to tie us all in to put Jesus as the savior of the world. No matter what you look like, what color you are, Jew, Gentile, all you have to do is accept that ultimate payment. Chapter four, Jesus is tempted into the wilderness. Chapter five, Jesus uh, came to a man that has been let down to him that was paralyzed. Jesus has been connected with this man. They came together. Jesus heals him by just speaking. Chapter six, everything is good. And then on the Sabbath, the disciples get hungry and they're taking the wheat and they're eating it. And the, the Pharisees and scribes said, hey, why don't they fast? And Jesus says, hey, you have no clue why they don't fast. Hey, come on, I'm here. It doesn't matter you guys fast. Don't you know what David did when he went in the temple and ate that bread? David went in the temple, but he had God as his agenda. I am the savior of the world. They, they're, they're following me, so it's okay now because when I'm gone, they're going to fast more than any of you guys. Chapter 7, uh, Jesus is met again. He's met again with a centurion man. His slave, his slave is, is, is sick. 
Luke, Luke's got a theme. He, he, he doesn't care what occupation you are, what walk of life you're in. As long as your faith is in Jesus Christ, he can heal you. That man's uh, slave was healed. Jesus said, uh, I'll speak the word. I haven't seen any faith like this. And this man had no clue about the Jewish culture. Chapter 7, now we have one of the most common texts Jesus is walking through. He's going to heal a man named Jairus' daughter. You guys know the story. Am I just obsessed with this by myself? And so he's going somewhere, and, and as he's going, he says, hold on, somebody touched me. I just felt virtue leave. There's a woman with an issue of blood there that touched him and says, I have that kind of faith where I can just touch the hem of his garment. That happens in chapter 8. Then chapter 9 is really good. Jesus is, is put uh, next to Elijah and Moses, and he, he's trying transform and they see something different. He's better than both. He's the savior of the world. They're coming together. Then Jesus, then he gets uh, his, his disciples and says, 72 of you guys go out, go out and come together and do healings as long as you take my name with you. That happens in chapter 10. I'm almost boring you, so this is what I'll do. Uh, chapter 11 through 14, uh, I got to hurry up. Somebody, somebody said, am I boring you? They said, yeah. So, <laughs> so chapter 11 through 14 deals with uh, prayer. It deals with uh, hypocrisy. Uh, it deals with repentance. It deals with being a good, uh, Jesus is giving nuggets of understanding. Chapter 15 and 16 deal with the parable of the lost shepherd and the, and, and the uh, there's a there's a there's a sower of seed and there's a a man that doesn't understand. So Jesus is giving us parables and making understand in chapter 15 and 16. In chapter 17, Jesus finds 10 leopards. He heals all 10 leopards. After he does that, only one comes back and thanks him. Now, this is the meat of the text. Now, Jesus tells another parable with a publican, a tax collector, and now he's setting us up so we can all come together. He's setting us up so we can all come together. Now, chapter 19 is where we pick up the text. There's a man named Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, and while this is frowned on, this would be like somebody saying, Hey, I'm going to be a part of this church, but I'm going to tax you guys extra and I'm going to pocket the money and, and you guys know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyways. And you have to do it because I have the Romans backing me up. And, and this is what Zacchaeus was doing. And he sees Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And he's a short man. The press means there's a crowd. There's a crowd coming, and he can't get to Jesus. So what he does is he shows humility. It's not a custom for a rich man in this culture to, to, to go reach out to another man. And so this is one thing I, I learned from Pastor Jordan is that he deals with the culture a lot. you got to understand, it would be like uh, the president or the lunatic, no, I'm just the president yearning to talk to one of us. It's not ethical for a rich man to be yearning for a man that he doesn't know. So he, this man goes and hides in a tree and waits for Jesus Christ. That tells me a couple things, that he has humility. He put pride aside. And sometimes with our lives, all we have to do is put that pride and humility into play, uh, put that pride aside and, 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 and show some humility, and Jesus can start to use us. Then Jesus sees him and says, Zacchaeus, make haste. He says, hurry up and come down. This is God starting to move in our life and saying, you know what? Uh, uh, you, you, you made yourself available. Now I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to be with you today. I'm going to come together with you. And so what do we have to do with this text is that we're here today, a black church and a white church, and the church is the most segregated thing still on Sunday morning. How do we apply this to our life? 
is start making friends, building a rapport with black people and white people. And then we start having preparation for what's going to happen in heaven. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be a white church. There's not going to be a black church. This is preparation down here. And so this is coming together. This service are so essential. I think every service should do one of these um, many times a year to just build a rapport and get familiar with other worship and other people. And so, Because we're all got one common denominator. Jesus Christ is our Lord and personal Savior. Zacchaeus was a man that gets Jesus in his house. Jesus gets in his house, and the scribes and Pharisees are upset with this, but he has conviction of what he does. Jesus says, you know what? That's Christ manifested in us. That's Christ manifested in us. It doesn't matter about you do all these things. You come to church on time, and you post, and you read the Bible, but if you're nasty, and you're mean, and you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it's to no avail. And so Zacchaeus shows something. He shows something to the scribes and Pharisees. He shows that, hey, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I accept Jesus. I accept the Lord and personal Savior. He suffered and died for me, and I'm taking that ultimate payment as Jesus, as the Savior of the world. We're coming together. We're coming together. Even today, we're coming together. I challenge everybody this week to even go and reach out to somebody that doesn't look like you. Come together. Just find out what their hobbies are. Find out uh, their interests, the weekend plans. We have to engage in conversation with people that don't look like us because this is preparation for heaven. And so I, I value these kind of services because you get a chance to see perspective. And, and traveling to the South and seeing that stuff and hearing that stuff has stuck with me ever since I saw that. And so this is what I want to do. We can start with our community, our church, our, 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 our lifestyles of just making that friendship with people that don't look like us. That's really what Jesus was doing. He says it doesn't matter that he wasn't from the line of David and, and, and that he, he's not a church goer. He's not a scribe of Pharisee. He's looking after me. He, I'm his agenda. And as long as Jesus Christ is our agenda, the sky's the limit. He's, he will always be with us. He says, lo, behold, I'll never leave nor forsake you. And he will send us a comforter. And so Zacchaeus has repented. He says, you know what? I'm going to give everything back tenfold, four times as much because I have conviction. And Jesus comes in your life. Conviction comes. There's certain things that can't happen. We're not saying you're never going to do anything wrong, but there's certain convictions. Like, for instance, when I told that story, there was a, a face on everybody's face that was just like, man, that was very vile. I can't believe he's telling this to the church, and that was wrong. That's Christ manifested. That, that, that's something that human beings have that, that we, we, we look and we have sorrow for something like that. I'm still dealing with that. Like, man, I saw that. And this man's wife has to look at him in the South that he can't even defend his wife and kids. And they have to take and accept that racism. This was in 2006. And so I want you guys to just think about racism and how we overcome that with prayer and being consistent and making friends. And so we're never going to fix it just one service like this. So this is the challenge. Everybody today, everybody this week, find somebody that does not look like you. It could be from a different culture and engage them in conversation and watch what that fuels a friendship. And so this is one thing I value about this relationship, that we are brothers and friends, and I consider them friends. They reached out to me, and, and, and they've accepted even though we're not same denomination or whatever, but we have one common denominator, Jesus Christ. And so this is, this, is, this is what has to happen. We have to come together. 
And when we come together, these things just keep happening that it's okay. It's our fear of we don't know this person. A statistic was shown when we started our men's group, the reason why uh, white men don't engage black men is because they think they're angry. It's like they're not angry. It's just like we just have different approaches to things. And, and so we had to get numbers and statistics to say, why is it that when we look at friendships, one white person averages one black friend and black people average eight white friends. There's a big disconnect because there's conversations that's not being had. And it starts with services like these, accepting Jesus Christ and then displaying Christ manifested, just loving on everybody in every circumstance. Zacchaeus was that man that, that everybody said was a sinner. Everybody said he was a sinner. Everybody threw him away. They said he's wrong, but he was the first one to say, I'm going to give back. Jesus didn't even have to convict him. He didn't have to judge him. He just accepted Jesus. And when we're accepting Jesus and yearning for Jesus, he'll change our heart. Stand with me. I'm going to pray with us. I value this relationship. Four years ago, before I prayed, there was a um, there was a council for black churches and white churches, and just all these conversations happening and saying that the white they don't come to the city and we don't go visit them. And I remember sitting in the back and it got so heated. And then a man, probably all of 90 years old, and they were getting heated. The man stood up and said. Uh, something about African Americans, and he said, "Black people like being called black people. <laughs> black people like." And it got kind of hostile. A man, 90 years old, stood up and said, "This is where we went wrong. We didn't pray before this meeting." And he led a prayer to unite the church and coming together. And so that's what I'm going to do today. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people. I thank you for us coming together for an understanding that you're not only the savior of the Jews, but the Gentiles, and you're the savior of the world. No matter what we look like, what we eat, you're the savior. It doesn't matter what circumstance we're in. It doesn't matter as long as we accept you, God. We're asking that you comfort us and give us what to say and how to make that connection to come together. God, we trust you and believe you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. This is a project of the Capital City Church in the West 7th community of St. Paul, Minnesota. Find us on Instagram at Capital City Church STP or visit our website for more information at capitalcitystpaul.com. Mm-hmm.